Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Good, good to be with you guys today. I don't know if you heard, but there's, uh, with the price of eggs going up, Although I know that there's some egg dealers in the room today, but with the ice, the price of eggs going up, they, there's this new trend that started this year where they're actually coloring potatoes. Have you heard about this? I don't know. It's apparently it's a thing. If you didn't know it's a thing, now you're on the inside, right? Now you got the inside. So yeah, and, uh, there's a, I think we have a real time picture of one of the kids. That's right. That's probably one of the Heleniuses right there, uh, coloring the eggs. So, uh, we're, we're coloring the, the Easter potatoes. We are good stewards here at Authentic Church, so the Easter egg hunt today will not be real eggs or potatoes. It's going to be a bunch of candy for your kids so that it gets out of my house and into yours. So <laughs> well, we're so glad to have you here, like my wife said, and uh, I love Easter Sunday. I just absolutely love it. I love, I love the springtime. Hopefully, we get some good springtime weather today. I love the smell of the fresh-cut grass. I like seeing my kids dressed up. My girls get excited about it. My boys are like, Dad, can we just wear sweats and a hat? No, you may not, son. You may not. You know. But I love, I love all things Easter. And really, Easter, as many of you know, it's more than pastel colors and pretty dresses or a brunch out. The reason that we gather is for the resurrected king to celebrate Jesus. Amen? I just want to read something. You know, 2,000 years ago, the sky grew dark. The earth shook. The cross held the king. Heaven held its breath as the breath of life took his last breath. Betrayed, beaten, and bruised. How could that moment become Good Friday? Because when Jesus went to the cross, he knew something that the world didn't. He knew that his crown of thorns assured our crown of glory. He knew that if he was forsaken, you and I could be forgiven. He knew that death was the only way to bring true deliverance that an empty grave gave way to full life. He knew that logic would soon be defeated by love, and as darkness fell and his friends and followers scattered, hope seemed lost, but heaven just started counting to three. And on that third day, come on, on that third day, death was defeated, sin was conquered, eternity secured, for Jesus is risen, amen? Colossians says this, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Today, hope has a name. His name is Jesus. He is risen. Amen? As my wife said earlier, yeah, you can clap to that. Appreciate that. As my wife said earlier, there was an old call and response where they would say, he is risen, and everybody would repeat back. So back in the first, uh, uh, the, the New Testament church, back in the first century, it was their custom when they would walk through and see each other, and you'd see a brother in the market, you'd be like, he's risen. And you'd say, he's risen indeed, and then they'd hug each other and give a triple kiss on each cheek. 
So I thought if we could just uh, just greet all the first-time visitors today, we'll do that. <laughs> we'll do that again. <laughs> Sorry, that's my lame Pastor Easter joke, okay? Don't worry, it gets worse. Well, historians and uh, secular and sacred alike agree that there was a man named Jesus who lived in Nazareth. And if you go to Israel today and you even talk to Jewish people, they'll say, oh yeah, there was this guy Jesus, and yeah, he grew up here. And these, these are Jewish people that, that don't believe. They'll say, yeah, we, we know that there was a man named Jesus, and we know that he ministered a lot in this area of Galilee, and we knew that he shook things up in Jerusalem quite a bit. Um, but they don't have the revelation of who Christ is. And after the resurrection of, the Christ, of Christ, the resurrection changed everything. Not only did he just appear to a few of his followers, he appeared to over 500 people over a period of 40 days. And these people were so convinced that they actually spent time with Jesus that they were willing to die. Like, it, it's, it's not a lie. I don't know if you've ever really thought it through. Sometimes you can read the Bible and, you know, if you're not careful, you, look, you liken it to like a fairy tale or like the Avengers movies, right? The Avengers movies, it's like, I've seen that movie before, right? It's, it's, there's, there's good guys and there's bad guys. And then there's, there's a really good guy that's kind of part human, but not part human. And he comes and he saves the world. They, like they rip all their good stuff from the Bible. Okay. Like that's the message of Jesus. And one day he's going to come back. Jesus is going to come back, touch down, and he's not going to be riding into town on a donkey like he was on Palm Sunday. He's going to be riding on a white horse and he has tattooed on his thigh that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, right? Like thug life Jesus is coming back with his tattoo on his thigh, okay? Like it really happened. Like he really walked, he really lived. And I wanna, I wanna hone in this morning on a story of the resurrection. And we're gonna read out of the book of John. How many know the word of God changes people's lives? The word of God is live, it's active, it's breathing. You can read the same thing in the scriptures over and over again. And after the 20th time, something looks different. You could read it a hundred times and you go back and read the scriptures and you're like, I never saw that before. That happens all the time. So today, before we jump into the word, I wanna pray for us that the Holy Spirit will continue uh, to lead us in an encounter with him today. How many know we didn't come here to hear a man speak? We came here to hear God speak today, so we're going to listen to God's word, we're going to lean into his presence, and he's going to download, he's going to speak. I believe he has a word for every single person in this place today. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, that it is life. It is life, and it is truth. I thank you that you are truth. In you, there is no lies, God, that you cannot lie. And so I thank you for your truth. I thank you for the word of God coming and affecting us in a powerful way this morning. God, we don't want to just go through Easter Sunday. We want to experience the resurrection fresh and new today. So we ask you to speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. God, would you touch our minds and just illuminate our, our brain and our thoughts that we would be able to uh, have fresh revelation from you. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, God, that we would have faith to believe your, your word today. God, give us eyes to see something we never saw and ears to Here's something we never heard before. I thank you, Lord God, for leading us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, John chapter 20. Uh, you know, you can turn anywhere in your Bibles you want to because it's still a free country. But if you want to follow along with me, uh, we'll be in John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 1 says this. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark. Everybody say, while it was still dark. There's early and then there's really early, all right, while it was still dark. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone 
had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, that's how John refers to himself, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple, John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. And then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, they also went outside and he saw and believed. In, went inside, he saw and believed. And they still not un, did not understand from the scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciple went back to where they were staying. Verse 11, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. This is a, a picture of the Ark of the Covenant. If you look in the Old Testament, there's the Ark of the Covenant. There's two angels on each side of the Ark. And that, that was the, the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of God was. And now Jesus was coming, bringing a new covenant. Keep reading, verse 13. Then he asked, they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. What a beautiful testimony. I have seen the Lord. What a beautiful thing to say. I have seen the Lord. You know, John 20, it centers around a few of the followers of Christ. We have, obviously, Peter and John. Uh, and I like John, you know, he was faster than Peter, so he made sure to point that out. Like, guys are always in competition. I don't know about you, but I don't know about your kids, but my kids are like, you know, in competition. Who's going to get first? Who's going to sit in the front seat? You know, all that kind of So here they are in, in the front. And then there's this woman, Mary Magdalene. And, and, you know, some people thought that Jesus just went around with, uh, you know, these 12 teenage boys. <laughs> but John chapter 8 reminds us what we all know is that 12 teenage boys could never survive without women. There's, there had to be a woman, a mom, somebody looking after these stinky teenage boys bursting with testosterone, right? And so in John chapter 8, you actually read how women were part of the followers of Christ. And so there was a huge group of people. He had his 12, but he had a lot of followers that came around him, and some of them were women. Uh, it's pretty safe if you're in the New Testament. If you say Mary, like you're probably going to be pretty safe on whatever answer is in that Bible trivia, uh, because there were six Marys mentioned in the New Testament, and they were all kind of special. They all did something different. There was even uh, the, 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 the mother of John Mark, who wrote the book of Mark, 
Mary, she, she's mentioned in the New Testament, right? Mary, obviously Mary, the mother of Jesus, everybody knows. But then there's uh, Mary at Bethany, which we talked about last week in the anointing of Jesus before he rode in on the donkey on Palm Sunday. And then there's this Mary Magdalene. And, you know, you look and you read the story, and one of the things that I, I always like to ask questions. I'm a big questioner. So I'm like, Lord, why, of all people that you could have showed yourself to, why this woman? Why Mary? Why not Peter and John? Why, what, what was it about her? What was it about her hunger? What was it about her desire? What was it about her past that you set her free from? What was it about Mary that so grabbed your attention you said, I'm going to reveal myself to her first? What was it about her? And so in the few moments that we have together today, I promise we'll be done in the next three hours we're going to, um, we're going <laughs> to, yes, that's a joke. <laughs> Some new people are like, dude, what did you bring me to today? <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> so the backstory of Mary, so she's mentioned 12 times in the Bible. She's from a uh, place, uh, Magdala. Magdala, if you've ever been over to Israel, it sits on the southwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And back in the, its heyday, uh, it was a fisherman's town. And as a fisherman's town, it attracted some not-so-great people and some also not-so-great habits. There was brothels, there was prostitution. Although Mary has been called the prostitute, uh, there's nothing in the Scriptures that actually supports that. Although she's talked about and referred to, some people believe that she was the woman who wept at the feet of Jesus and wiped His feet with her hair. There's nothing in the Scripture that supports that. Um, but we do know that her background must have been pretty rough. And not only did she have one demon that she needed to be delivered of. She had seven, okay? One demon's bad enough. That's one too many for you and I, okay? Uh, no, no demons is the goal, right? And she had seven of them that she was just demonized and held her back and broken and hurting and, and might have even been a little bit roaming and it's kind of out of her mind and homeless. You know, some, some of the people that you see walking around, just imagine that person totally 100% set free just walking in their right mind, worshiping Jesus. Like, if he did that then, if he cared that much then, how many know that he can still do that now? That he still cares now? And whatever you walked in here with today, I want you to know the same resurrection, resurrected Christ that delivered Mary, he can deliver you. And I believe that there's resurrection life that's hitting all over this place this morning, all around the churches of this region, all around the churches of the world. I mean, just think about this. There's billions of people gathering together today on Easter Sunday for one purpose, to worship Jesus, to worship Jesus. Who's Jesus to you? So Mary, she is the first one that Jesus shows himself to, and she was one of the last ones that was with him at the cross and she's the first one at the tomb. And I just can't even imagine the heartbreak. When you've been so set free, delivered seven demons, you're in your right mind, you're walking around, and it's like a party wherever you go with this guy, Jesus. It's like sermon illustration, sermon illustrations. You know, like, you know, we, we, we have the, the, the blessing of being able to read the scriptures, and you could read through one of the gospels in, a, you know, in an hour, and you could see miracle, miracle. She's living it. She's walking with him for years. She's seeing it. And then all of a sudden, she, she, she's there at the, 
the when when the uh, when the uh, the edict gets passed down, and Pilate's like, "All right, this is done." The mock trial that that happened, and and she saw him as he carried his cross through the city. And when they ended up nailing his his uh, wrists to that cross and then propping him up, she was with him there. And by the way, the picture of the uh, of of the crucifixion that you and I see, where Jesus is bloody with a loincloth cloth around his waist, is not entirely accurate. They did not. Uh, they did not crucify people clothed. And I don't want to be too gruesome in here, but I mean, all, all your nakedness, your, your shame, just everything is just laid there for everybody to see and just how embarrassing and humiliating it was. And she's there and she's just thinking, Jesus, come, are you going to do it now? Are you going to do it now? Are you going to do it now? And he gives up his last breath and it didn't happen the way that she thought it would happen. And then, that sky grew dark, and you know the story, and like we just sang today, right? The, there's an earthquake that just shatters, and the, the veil's torn in two, and, and there's panic, and everybody, what in the world? And she was actually there with the group of people that helped take his body down off the cross. He, he's, he's dead. He, there's nothing. We don't need to pierce. We don't need to break. We don't need to do. Like, it's already done when they pierced it, you know, outflowed blood and water. It's, we, we, he's dead. Like, we don't need to do anything to help him pass on. He's, he's dead. She watched all that. Not only watched it, she, she, she smelled it all. Like there, there's a scent of death. Have you ever been around like a scent of death? There's even hospital wings if you've gone and visit people and you can just walk in and go, it just smells like death in this place. There was a sense of this, that scent of death. And so she was there as part of the group that took his body down and brought it to the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And, and, and then they close it up. And she's like, I don't know what's going on. And the tomb is covered with the stone. And I'm sure they waited there for a while. I would have. I mean, if you made it this far, let's hang out and see what he's going to do. He talked about rising from the dead is like, when's it going to happen? And okay, it didn't happen. And then the next day and the next day and then comes to the first day of the week. And it said in John 1, or verse 20, verse 1, we, we read, it said that it was early in the morning when it was still dark, okay? It, even for you early risers in the room, when you wake up, it's a little light for you early risers. If you're getting up when it's still dark out, you probably didn't sleep that good last night. If, you, if you're getting up when it's still dark out, you're just finally, you're just so done tossing and turning and trying to calm your mind that you just finally say, I'm just gonna get up. And there was something inside of Mary that said, I, I just got to go back to the tomb one more time. I, it's just three days. I'm going to go back one more time. And so she goes back to the tomb. And a lesson that we can all grasp, if we want to see Jesus in our lives, if we want to see the power of the resurrection in our lives, is are you seeking Jesus? Like, are you really seeking after him? Some people kind of nonchalantly, you know, kind of, Go to church and maybe once in a while listen to a message or a podcast or what. Are you really seeking Jesus? And I'm not saying that, you know, the goal is to a bunch of religious duties. That's not why Jesus came. He said you, he came to set us free from all the religious stuff. But inside of you somewhere, there is a, a spirit being that's crying out to know the creator of the universe. It's inside every single one of us. And he wants to meet with you. So are you seeking him? Mary was seeking after him. She was the last one morning at the cross, the first one at the tomb. The second thing that I noticed from Mary is that she was honest and humble. 
You know, God, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You want to see Jesus? You can't come to him on your terms. <laughs> you can't come to him on your terms. You can't be the one calling the shots. If he's truly king in your life, then you can't crucify him in other areas of your life. We talked about this last week, right? When Jesus was who they wanted him to be, they crowned him king. They praised his name, right? Hosanna in the highest. But when he was who they needed him to be, they crucified him. The question last week, and it still pertains to us this week, is have you crowned him king in every area of your life? Or is there an area that nobody sees, nobody knows, that you're like crucifying him all over again? You just refuse to give that up. That's for, between you and the Lord. I used to think that people um, that were favored by God, I used to think they were the ones that had it all together. Do you ever think that? Like I'd go to church and when I was a newly saved believer and, you know, I, I was a, when I met Christ, I was a single dad, okay? This is 26 years ago. I walked into church with my daughter. Um, I mean, you, it was a difficult time for me. Everybody kind of looked at me a little bit as, well, not everybody, but a lot of our family looked at me as I was the, the poster child, if you will, and had done all the right things, said all the right things, but I had hidden sin in my life, sexual sin, that suddenly was on display for everybody to see. I felt so much shame. Not that anybody put on me, because actually people, most people were actually pretty kind and understanding, but for me personally, I felt ashamed. Like, it was even hard for me to share my story. And then when I got saved, I'm like, I'm going to be the most amazing single dad out there. Like, I'm just, I'm all in for this kid. Like, you know, I, I feel the weight of responsibility. I totally am not perfect. I'm screwing up left and right. I'm putting one foot in front of the other, the best I know how to do. And I know I'm falling short, but man, I made the decision that I'm just going to live for Christ and he's going to help work it all out. And he began to help me. Mary was that type of person. She was humble. She, she came to the Lord and just said, I want all of you. Like, I want to crown you king in every area of my life. I don't, I'm not going to crucify you. I want you, you're king, you're Lord, you're everything, every aspect of my life. And my burden when it comes to Christmases and Easter's is that there are people that flood different churches and they kind of have an encounter with a savior, but they don't really truly have an encounter with the resurrected king. And my heartbeat today as a pastor in this area, as a lover of God, as a Christian, is if you're here and you're truly seeking after him, if you're here and you haven't fully surrendered, or maybe at one point you did surrender, but you've kind of, if you're honest, you kind of have backed away, the fire's kind of grown cold, I'm here this morning fanning that, those embers into a flame. My, my job description today is just let the word of God breathe on you and provide an atmosphere where we get out of the way and the Holy Spirit does his work and that you have an encounter with God. So God uses messed up people. I didn't always think it was the case, but then I read the Bible and, and I look at some of my heroes in the Bible and I just want to give you a few of their background. Jonah. Anybody relate to Jonah? Like God says, go here. And you're like, no, I'm not. You know, that's okay. That's Jonah, right? Jonah ran in the exact opposite direction of where God told him to go. Then there was Noah. Noah had a drinking problem. He was the father of all drunks. He gets off the boat. The first thing he does is plant the vineyard with the intention to let that vineyard grow. And in time, I'm going to make some delicious wine out of that. And Noah was the father of all drunks. Abraham was 100 years old. He was way too old, some would say, to be used by God. 
His wife Sarah was 100. It says that her womb was as good as dead. That's nasty. (laughs) And God's like, put on the slow music, Abraham. Turn it on. All right, let's move on. (laughs) Jacob was a liar, right? Swindler. Gideon was afraid. We think of Gideon in like, you know, like the action Bible for kids and he's ripped and, you know, and he's big and buff and he looks like my buddy Jason in the front row, you know? And so you think that's Gideon? No, he was afraid. Moses was a murderer. We know that, but he's also the guy that carried down the Ten Commandments One of the Ten Commandments says, thou shalt not murder, you know. I would have been like, here are the nine commandments, you know. (laughs) Here's the Ten Commandments. He's a murderer. Rahab, she was a prostitute. Samson, he liked prostitutes. David, he was an adulterer, and he covered it up with murder. Elijah was depressed. Isaiah. We read Isaiah and all the, you know, like, you know, the, the most quoted book in the Bible when it comes to like all the different messianic prophecies, Isaiah. The dude preached naked for three years. That'll never happen at Authentic Church. I just want to tell you that now. Never. John the Baptist, the dude ate bugs. He was gluten-free. So for my gluten-free buddies. <laughs> Jeremiah, Jeremiah was just an emotional wreck, man. That guy, he probably, he's the guy that's taking bubble baths and he's listening to like Yanni drinking a Chardonnay, scrolling Pinterest in his bathtub. You know, like that's Jeremiah. Peter denied even knowing the Lord. Zacchaeus was way too small. Thomas too negative. And the topper, Lazarus, the brother was dead. Like he was dead for three days. And yet God could still use him. The point is this, God will meet you in the middle of your mess if you allow him, and you don't got to be perfect to be used by God. You just got to say yes and be available. Amen? Mary didn't let her pain of her past disappointment keep her from the future blessings that God had for her. She actually used that pain and that disappointment as a catalyst for her to hope again as a catalyst for her to go back to the tomb. There was somewhere inside, there was disappointment, yes, but it served as a catalyst for her. And that catalyst, she became a catalyst for others, right? The last words that we hear from Mary is, I have seen the Lord. That's the last time that she's spoken of in the Bible. Now we, most scholars believe that she was part of the early church that would have met in the upper room when the Holy Spirit fell, that she would have been part of the early church somewhere. But the last thing that we see from her The last thing we hear from her is, I've seen the Lord. My question for you today, what's the last thing somebody heard from your mouth? Wouldn't it be beautiful if the last thing that somebody heard from you is, I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. How how do you have so much hope in a world that is full of war and rejection and anxiety and depression? How, How do you have any hope? I've seen the Lord. How can, how can you get back up as, as, as a guy that was filled with so much shame and difficulty and sexual sin? How, how, how could you even come boldly to the throne of grace? I've seen the Lord. 
the blood of the lamb, the word of the testimony. I've seen the Lord. How, how is it that you used to be so frustrated and prone to anger where you just flip out and punch a hole in the wall or grab that cabinet and just want to just, you know, how is it you have such peace? I've seen the Lord. I remember you when you were running around. How is it you have such an incredible marriage? I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. Have you seen the Lord? And if not, this morning, here's the setup. (laughs) If not, I'm going to give you an opportunity to meet the Lord. I'm going to give you an opportunity to really see the Lord. I'm going to give you an opportunity to actually say yes to Jesus, and it's the best, it's, it's, it's the best thing you could ever do for your life here on earth and for all of eternity. Your life will be changed forever if you could just see the Lord. Some of us have met the cross of Christ and experienced some salvation, but the empty tomb is the promise fulfilled. I'm believing that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is going to bring dead things back to life this morning. It's going to be fresh vision. There's going to be fresh passion, a new sense of purpose because you've seen the Lord. There's going to be a, a sense where you have hope again, where you feel like I can make it through the week because you've seen the Lord. Revelation 3.20, there's this picture of John who wrote the Gospel of John, also wrote another book. It's the last book of your Bible, the last book that was canonized in Scripture. And the book of Revelation, John is having this dialogue, if you will, with Christ. And if you could eavesdrop on the conversation, Jesus says this to John in Revelation 3.20. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I will come in to him and dine with him, and he with me. You know, as a single dad, um, and we had a parenting plan, and uh, that was a really messy, difficult time. And if you've ever gone through something like that, uh, I just want you to know that I have great compassion for you because I've walked that road, and and it was it was really really hard. And uh, one of the pictures that Christ gave me when I got saved, He said, "Jeff, I don't want to have visitation rights with you." I want to live with you. I want to come into your house. I want to be Lord and Savior of every area of your life. So one of the things that I did is I went home, and, uh, and I just started going around my house. And it was just me, and I was talking to the Holy Spirit, and I said, this CD? Uh, yeah, you can keep that. This CD? He's like, no, no Tupac. I'm like, okay. This CD? Yes. That CD? No. How about this stuff over here? How about this jewelry, candles, gifts from girls in my past? Nope, get rid of it. Soul tie, boom, get rid of it. Just get that stuff out of there. So literally went through and did a house cleaning. And I remember as I did it, I was like, I'm giving away such awesome stuff right now, you know. <laughs> Can I sell it? Give it away. Get it, get it out of your house. Okay. And after I did that and threw that away, telling you something, something broke off me. Something broke off me. And some of you, even hearing that story right now, you're thinking, I need to go home and do house cleaning today. After Easter brunch, yeah, I get it, after your Easter. But when you get home, you might have to go around your house and do a house cleaning. You might have to go through your phone and delete some numbers, right? 
You, you, you might have to do a house clean. You might have to unfollow a few people on the gram. You might have to delete some people that were following you and you were, fo- you might have to maybe even just get rid of some social media sites that you've been on altogether and shut that sucker down. Because now, like Mary, <laughs> you've seen the Lord. You've seen the Lord. I'm going to invite Kara to join me up front on the piano and just play softly as we close our time together today. You know, typically at a, uh, at a service like this, I remember growing up and going to Catholic Mass on Easter. Any, any recovering Catholics in the room? I grew up going to Catholic Mass. My uncle is a priest, so dude, like we were in Mass, you know. And uh, usually my brothers and I were fighting or arguing or doing something to make each other laugh and disrupt the service. We were just awesome kids. And, uh, and, and, and I remember going there, and it, w- it was kind of a moment where I, I felt good in going to service. Like, I was like, <sighs> like, I felt like there was some breath in my lungs, like in my spirit, you know, going to it. It felt good, right? I liked it. And when I went, and I don't know if you can relate, and any time since, there's kind of two postures, if you will, when it comes to coming to a service on an Easter or Christmas, you know. I, I attempted to be uh, what some people call a, a Christer, Christmas Easter only guy, uh, but my mom wouldn't let me, so I had to be in church more than that sometimes. And, and there's two postures that I had. Sometimes I would come and really like all in, like, I'm seeking God, I'm, I'm singing, I'm, I'm, I'm searching for him like Mary was. And, and then there's another posture that I had, and I don't know if you can relate, but uh, there's other group of people that Jesus decided to show himself to, and it was these guys that were disciples that were on the road to Emmaus. You remember the story. Uh, he told them to stay in Jerusalem and wait. <laughs> like, my father's got a gift for you, right? And he told them to stay, and they're like, Dude, ain't, I, I, it's done. It's over. And so their backs are turned from where God told them the promise was. I think they probably still believed, but they just couldn't make sense of it, but they were not walking in obedience. So you have one posture like Mary that's coming, searching, seeking, hoping. And then you have another posture like the guys on the road to Emmaus, and they were coming. And I love that story when, when, when you read through it, Jesus comes up behind them and hears what they're talking about and he just starts sharing with them. And he begins to share about what had to happen and he takes them through the Old Testament, takes them through the Torah, the books of the Bible that they would have known. And he walks them through and all throughout the Old Testament, he's saying, that, that's pointing to me. When you celebrated Passover last week in that sacrificial lamb, like, I'm him. Like, that's, you know, like, like this all had to happen. Like, all these things had to happen and he began to just gently just share with them. But they did not receive the revelation until they had a moment where they took bread, where they broke bread and suddenly they went and boom, he was gone. But I love the picture how Jesus came up beside them where they were walking, even though they weren't doing what he asked them to do and stay in Jerusalem, that the fact that they were even walking away from Christ and kind of like, eh, I don't know. And he comes up right behind him. Some of you this morning, God's coming right up behind you. (laughs) And he's getting your attention. And he's saying, I love you. And you don't have to carry that anymore. 
And I didn't design you to live a life filled with sin. And I'm not trying to take something from you. I want to show you what I did on the cross for you. And I want to forgive you so that you can walk in freedom because I want to bless you. And so Jesus is calling you in. And if you're here today and you're hearing this for the first time, this is the greatest news. There's a reason why the books of the Bible that talk about Jesus, they're called the gospel. It literally means good news. It's the good news. It's the best news that you can be forgiven of everything you've ever done and will ever do. Like forgiven, no shame, forgiven. Like it's gone, boom. I don't care what you did five minutes before you walked in here today. What you've been thinking about during the course of the, he says, I forgive you, I love you, I want a relationship with you, I'm knocking at your door, I don't want visitation rights, I wanna come in and live with you. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what? (laughs) I wanna make a fresh commitment for Christ today. I just want you to stand to your feet. If If you're here right now, I'm just calling you out and just like a pastor called me out when I was younger. If you need to make a fresh commitment for Christ today and you just say, Jesus, I'm I'm rededicating, I'm all in for you today. If you're making a fresh commitment today, just go ahead and stand to your feet right now. Just stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. Don't overly think about it. Just stand to your feet. Come on, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You can stay standing. We're all gonna stand with you. You can stay standing. We're all gonna stand with you. We're gonna all stand. Let's all stand to our feet now. I'm proud of you. It takes guts to stand up like that. It takes guts to do that. That's when it gets real. There was a lot of people that witnessed the resurrection, but there wasn't a lot of people that still followed Jesus. Followers of Jesus look different than just a witness. I saw something, but yeah, I saw something. I witnessed, but are you really following him? And he's calling you to really follow him today. Really follow him. And he loves you so much. And so I'm gonna lead you in a prayer of salvation, but I wanna be just transparent with you. It doesn't stop at just praying a prayer. The next step is actually being water baptized. And I remember for me as an adult, that was so uncomfortable to be water baptized as an adult. I thought that's something you did for kids. No. And you read through all the baptisms of the Bible. The first converts were primarily teenagers and young adults and people that were saying, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the resurrection and the life. And they said, great. Repent and be baptized. He's told them two things for two reasons. Repent and be baptized. Repent for the forgiveness of your sins, be water baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you will not be able to make it through this life without the Holy Spirit. You're not gonna make it through the Christian life. You need the Holy Spirit and you need to be water baptized. Romans 10, nine says this. Let's read it together. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's read that one more time. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if, it's, if that's you, it's simply just saying, I'm declaring this morning, Jesus, your Lord. Jesus, your Lord of my life, I, I give you my life today. And I'm trusting that you're gonna help me put the pieces of the puzzle together. You're gonna lead me. I believe in you. And then in Acts chapter 2, we see we have this beautiful picture, Acts 2.38, where they're repenting and they're being baptized in the name of Jesus. 
for the forgiveness of sins and you'll receive the gift of Holy Spirit. That's a promise. God has a gift that he wants to give for you. And when I came to Christ, I had a pastor that uh, treated me like a son. And he explained things and answered all these wild questions that I had that I was quite frankly a little embarrassed to ask in the middle of a gathering. And he, he met with me one-on-one and he helped me and, and uh, he, he helped me get connected with other people. And our hope, our heartbeat would be that every single person in Authentic Church would join and be part of a connect group. And I think we have one of the slides there for connect group um, with a QR code that you can scan for connect group. Uh, but if not, it's in your bulletin there. But our heartbeat would you be that. And, and all those are is just groups that they, they have dinners and then they open the Bible and they actually talk about some of the scriptures we talked about today. And that's it. It's just going over. It's like a dinner party with Jesus. All right. So it's a dinner party with Jesus and it's a beautiful time. And I want to invite you into that. And starting next week, uh, we're going to go into a new series that we titled Fearless and Free. And you know, Paul makes this statement in his writings. He says, I was saved. And then a few chapters later, he says, I'm being saved. And then a few chapters later, he says, one day I will be saved. And you read that and you're like, Paul, are you schizophrenic? How many Pauls are there? Like, in, in, what's going on, right? <laughs> Do you need to be delivered of three demons? What's going on, Paul, you know? And the point that Paul is making is I was saved in a moment just like this. He's talking about my, my spirit man, if I die tonight, boom, I'm going to heaven, baby. I know it. I know it. I'm saved. But then he says, but I have this other thing. I, I have some, some thought processes. I have mind, will, emotions. I have things that I, I need to get right. I, I need to work out. I need to be saved. So I'm being saved in this area. And then he says, one day, he's talking about the resurrection. He says, one day, man, it's going to be a glorious day. It's going to be a glorious day where there's going to be a resurrection. I'm going to be saved and everything is going to be put to rest on that day. And so we want to walk you through that. And so we, we, we have this new series that we're going to launch next week, Fearless and Free. If, if you have dealt or you know anybody that's dealt with anxiety and depression, uh, bursts of anger, um, just overly emotional, I'm telling you, they're going to be set free over the course of the next four weeks as we unpack this. I'm going to do this uh, sermon series in tandem with our good friend, Nicole Edgman, uh, who's a uh, professional counselor, Christian counselor, author, speaker. She has spent 20 years of her life helping people get free, and she's going to be pouring it. It's going to be an awesome time, and I hope it'll be a great resource for you, and I believe it will be. But don't do life alone, right? Jesus doesn't want visitation rights with you. He wants all of you. And he doesn't want you and I living like orphans. He wants us living in community with him. And that's part of living in community with each other. So I'm going to pray for you today. And then we're going to open up the front of our church. We never want to end a service without having personal prayer time. And we're going to open up the front and pray for whatever needs you have. If you need healing in your knee, we want to pray for you. If you need a touch of God in your marriage, hey, we want to touch and agree. If you're going through a difficulty financially, we want to pray that God's going to turn that around. And if you just gave your life to Christ today, we actually have a gift for you. 
on, on my son's birthday is tomorrow. On his birthday, we give him gifts, okay? This is a birthday for you. And so I have a gift for you. It's a Bible and a card and kind of a reading plan just to help you get started. And so those are right over here. You'll meet myself and uh, my friend Annie and Miss Tony. We'll just meet you over here and we'll just give you that Bible and answer any questions you might have and, and just bless you, amen? Can we thank God for his word today? God, you're so good. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is life. And God, we celebrate the resurrection today. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. God, I pray that you would come fresh into our lives, that you would breathe, breathe on us this week, God, that we would have opportunities to be your hands and feet. God, that you would breathe resurrection life into dead areas of our life that have been dead, that your resurrection life would come. God, we thank you for salvation, that it's a free gift. So we receive it, and we walk that out. We won't live like orphans. We're going to live like sons and daughters of the Most High God. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, you're going to help us. And next weekend, as we have baptisms, you're going to be there, and you're going to draw people to you. We're going to see miracle after miracle. We thank you, Lord God, and we celebrate this day in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.